Welcome back, everybody, to the Heavy Branches Podcast. I'm Jacob. And I'm Tanner. And we hope you guys are having a great week. Uh, we're so excited to get into Luke chapter 20 with you. Uh, getting really close. What do we got here? Four more chapters? Yep. Yep. So that's just, that's a month left, and we'll be finished with our, going through our first book. But before we get that's into Luke exciting. chapter 20, yeah, it is uh, very exciting. But before we get into that, how's your week been? My week's been good. Uh, got to start it off. I uh, got to preach this week at the Mount Pleasant Church of Christ um, near Corinth, and that was uh, that was really cool. Um, met some cool people. Got to see an old friend, which was really nice. And uh, so that was how my week started. It was really nice. And then um, I worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, tried to get some schoolwork done. And uh, preps for Wednesday night. Got to work with Josh Hoffman Wednesday night. Um, that was kind of the first time we were able to collab a little bit. Um, we're uh, happy to have him there at Glen Esty working with us as our, our new children's minister. Um, and then you came Wednesday night uh, and spent the night. And then Thursday morning we took a trip to Cambridge, Cambridge Ohio. Uh, for the person-to-person leadership seminar led by Jeff Fall and Emerson Kennedy, I think. Is that what it was? I've got it right here somewhere. I think it's Emerson Kennedy. Emerson Kennedy. We're going to go with what Jacob said. Yep, Emerson, Emerson Kennedy. Look at the mind on this guy. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, Whatever. Emerson Kennedy, and uh, th- they did a great job. Um, I feel much better equipped to handle some of the the things that we discussed this weekend and it was also great to just meet some people and and talk to some people you know it's crazy uh i'm gonna give a shout out to cj epperson because i talked to him for like two or three hours um thursday night after the sessions were over you know he lives you know within half an hour of where i grew up and you know, this was my first time meeting him, uh, but it was really cool to meet him, and hopefully we can get together soon and uh, talk some more. But my week was good. How's your week been? Um, It's been good for the most part. I preached on Sunday, and the reason I say it was good for the most part was because – so I'm scheduled to fill in <clears throat> preach on Sunday. And then Saturday night, it's like 9.30, and I'm, I'm ready to go. My sermon's done. I'm excited to preach. And I just, I start getting really sick. So I, I threw up Saturday night at like 930 and then through the night, I think I woke up four, four or five other times and got sick. So I didn't probably sleep for two consecutive hours at all Saturday night, got up Sunday morning and was able to preach. I felt pretty horrible still, but made it through. I didn't want, I was already filling in for the normal preacher at my home church at Sherman and I didn't want to call somebody else at 9.30 Saturday night or Sunday morning and be like, hey, can you preach for me today and here in a couple hours? Yeah. So I fought through and uh, always love, I love getting to preach in general, but it's always even a little extra special doing it at the church I grew up at my whole life and everyone there knows me. So they're, they they're, they be, try to be really encouraging, which I appreciate. Um, so that's why I say it was good for the most part. Being sick and having to preach and do that stuff was, was pretty miserable, but... Um, I was glad that I fought through and still preached because I think it went well. But other than that, um, 
on top of being sick then, I was sick again this week. My allergies got really bad and think I'm developing a sinus infection. <laughs> so if you hear me clearing my throat on this episode, I apologize for that. But I am just, it's that time of the year for me. I have pretty bad year-round allergies that spike up this time of year, if you know me. So, uh, But had a really good time at the leadership seminar. Uh, a lot of great material, took a lot of notes, have several books to add to my library that I am already overflowing the two bookshelves I have, so we'll continue to add to that problem, but uh, it's been good. Yeah, more books is not a bad thing. Oh, also uh, getting ready for the LBC semester to start next week. Yeah, uh, speaking of, that's, you know, kind of the last call for our Mark Your Calendar for LBC, the new semester. It starts on uh, Monday, right? Is yep, the Jan- 15th January Monday? 15th, that's yeah, Monday. so it starts Monday. LBC is a unique situation. If you decide last minute, you know, Monday in the morning you wake up and you want to take a class, you know, get in contact with the school. I'm sure that they'll be able to get you set up and and help you out. Um, or even one of the modules. If it's just a couple of days before the module is going to start for that weekend, you can still sign up whether you want to do audit or credit. Yeah, so we would really highly encourage that. Um, and then the other thing is we wanted to encourage you all to, you know, if you were, we, we pray, you know, over the, for the podcast and we pray, you know, for the listeners and we want to be able to pray for you all more specifically if, if possible. So if you all have, you know, some, some specific prayer requests that are on your hearts and in your lives, you know, we encourage you to, you know, send those in. Let us let us know. We'd like to pray for you. Um, and then along with that, I just want to encourage you all to also be praying for the podcast. We would really appreciate that. Um, and, and just pray for our preparation as we prepare each week for it. And not only that, but pray for the other listeners that are listening. Because um, after all, the goal is that we all grow uh as disciples in Christ church and so it's only going to be to our benefit that if we're that we're in this together so we'd really appreciate that and and I'm sure that most people that are watching this if not all of you guys know Tanner and I personally so if you have a prayer request that you wanted to share share with us uh if you want us to keep it anonymous we can or if you want us to attach your name to it so other people can pray for you that we can do that too um, if you're listening to this and you don't know me or Tanner personally and have our contact, um, we have a Facebook page for the podcast. So if you have a Facebook page, you can look up Heavy Branches Podcast, or if you look up me or Tanner, we normally share the weekly posts when I post the, the video or podcast link on Facebook. So th- those are a couple ways you can contact us. If you know me or Tanner, you can just shoot us a text, and if not, uh, message us on the Facebook page and we'll see it. Yeah, and you can either, I mean, if you want to, you can comment on the Facebook page or you can, like, direct message. And, and you know, this isn't, you know, this is for us to pray about. We don't plan on, like, posting everybody's business or talking about it necessarily on the podcast, but we do want to be in prayer for you all. So um, let's hop into Luke chapter 20, Let's shall we? Um, as we wrap up, plans moving forward from when we finish Luke, I think we've kind of decided that we're going to go into a at least a few podcasts on some apologetics. So I hope you all will look forward to that. That's going to be fun. Jacob's going to have 
Jacob's going to lead the way on that, I think. Do you think so? Oh, I am? <laughs> we'll see. You do pretty good leading the way, I think. Oh, you think so? Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> we uh, we probably need to get on this, but uh, I think we may try and have some special guests on, too, for those, for those few podcasts, because I know some guys that would be able to talk to you all about apologetics a lot better than I would. For sure. So, uh, I that's what you got to look forward to once we wrap up Luke, but let's wrap up Luke first. Luke chapter 20 has 47 verses, um, and we're going to cover every one verse by verse. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> let's hop into our key thoughts. Um, I'm back to it. I'm back to my shenanigans. Um, verse 1. <laughs> what about chapter title? I I I failed this. You week dropped the sh- ball. Yeah, I dropped the ball on the chapter title, but I brought back the verse one. All right, all right, that's an even trade. <laughs> so, verse one on one of the days while he was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders confronted him. We've talked about this. I don't know several times since we started the podcast. But I'm going to bring it up again. Jesus is always about his business. From the very beginning. About his purpose. About his business, about his purpose, about his mission. He is days away from death. You know, really think about that. He is days away from death. He knows it's coming, yet he is still consistent in his mission. What is he doing? He was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel. We have this mindset of completing our bucket list before we die. But the only thing on our bucket list should be our mission. That that's, it's it's not to say that it's it's bad necessarily to want to go see Hawaii before you die or want to go skydiving if you're crazy and think that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who would want to do that. Uh, no offense, if you like skydiving, I just think that sounds like uh, terrifying and not fun. But I think Jason Cole would do that. He seems he like skydiving. he probably would. Okay, <laughs> we'll we'll have to ask him about it next time we see him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the where I was going with that is it's not necessarily bad to want to go do fun things or see places, but if you really look at a bucket list as what you want to do before you die, most things on people's bucket list have zero impact on their eternity and zero impact on anyone else's eternity. What it seems like Jesus would have had on his bucket list, the things that he he knew he only had a matter of days left and what he spent his time doing wasn't going on some fancy vacation but was spending time doing the work of his ministry teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel the priority of our bucket list should be sharing the gospel should be about our mission i think of uh a song I heard so much growing up. I th- I think it's a Tim McGraw song. It's a country song. Oh gosh, we don't. We don't. Neither of us really listen to country music. Sorry if that's offensive. Oh, that's that's going to make people mad. I know pro- for sure. Probably. I mean, but we're we're in Kentucky, man. What is that song called? Um, I cannot help you here. Live live like you're dying. Uh, by Tim McGraw. He's he 
It's about uh, finding out he's like only got so much time to live. And the funniest part of the song is I wrote a bull named Fu Manchu or something like that. Anyway, long story. He's doing all these crazy things because he thinks he's dying. Um, is basically a, a a small snippet of what the song is about. That's probably probably doesn't do it much justice. Sorry, but the point is, we have this mindset of it's it's really a consumer mindset of I'm I want to get all the things done that I never got to do in my life before I die, um, and that's kind of become this YOLO movement. You know, you only live once, once, so do whatever you want. Yeah. And do it, you know. And then the other mindset is you only live once. You know, there's two, there's two ways to look at that. There's the you only live once, so do whatever you want. Or you only live once and you need to take it seriously. And uh, the way we do that as Christians, the thing that we really need to think about is we need to be about our mission. The number one thing on the bucket list of every Christian is I want there to be more people in heaven because of how, how I spent my time with the one life that I have. And then the other thing to consider with this is, is, you know, Jesus is about his mission. What are the Pharisees doing as Jesus is about his mission? Really think about that for a moment. And then I ask you this question, are you pursuing your, the mission or are you just looking to correct those that you consider wrong? Because there is a difference. Some people think that their whole Christian life is just about correct is is looking for the sinner and correcting them when they're wrong, and they think you know they've done their job for the day, but they've got a plank sitting in their own eye. In the first, first of all, and second of all, that's not bearing fruit. Casting judgment on everybody you see is not bearing fruit. Um. So are you pursuing the mission or are you just looking to correct those that you consider wrong? Correction is necessary at times, but the mission of discipleship is the priority. Um, so that's my, that's my verse one for today. There you go. Um, so let's hop in here to the rest of the chapter. Uh, the Pharisees or the, the, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders confront him, and he responds. And the key thought I had here is hard hearts refuse the obvious. It's, it is incredible to me all of the things that they saw Jesus do, all of the miracles they saw Jesus do, and all the things that they, they heard him and the, the authority that he spoke with and how obvious it should have been that Jesus was the Christ. He was the Son of God, but they chose not to believe. Their hard hearts kept them from believing. They, they were seeking every way possible to not believe the truth that was right in front of them. As we've went through the Gospel of Luke, <clears throat> it's been very evident to me, and I hope it's been very evident to you guys too, that... The Pharisees did not reject Jesus because their minds could not comprehend that he was the Messiah. It's not that they didn't see the evidence and didn't understand the evidence. It's that they had a heart problem and they didn't want to believe. And so often we see that today as well. 
whether someone claims themselves as an atheist and they think there is no God or whether they say they're an agnostic and they say, well, I'm not really sure if there's a God. Not all of the time, but a majority of the time from what I've seen and from what I've heard from other people is the problem is not with understanding who Jesus is and seeing the evidence. It's their heart will not let, let them accept the evidence. Yeah, exactly. And it, you, the Pharisees, their hard heart, it kept them from belief. And we, especially in the Christian church, it's, it's really common for us to talk about faith and how faith is not just belief. But sometimes I think maybe we go a little bit to the extreme where the Pharisees were actually here, where it's all about, you know, obedience and nothing really about the heart or the belief of in Jesus. And we have to make sure that a part of faith is belief in Jesus and what he's done and who he is. And I... I, I truly believe that the core sin of the Pharisees and really the, the, the bottom line core sin of so many people, even people that say they're Christians but don't really act like it, is that deep down in their heart they have a heart problem and they don't believe. They do not truly believe and trust that Jesus died on the cross to save them from their sins, and they don't believe that he was buried and resurrected on the third day. They don't believe that that set of, that that sacrifice can save them. And without that belief, you you don't have faith. Without that belief, um you do not have salvation and we need we need to be sure not only that we that we stress trust and obedience but that we also make sure that we stress that belief part because that is just as core to faith as the other is absolutely um you know this whole thing kind of makes me think of um the the scientific world today I keep, I've, I think I've mentioned this the last two podcasts and I'm going to bring it up again the the book by Lee Strobel that we read for class the case for a creator case for creator it you see over and over again how hard these these some of these scientists make leaps how hard they try to make leaps in order to prove that there is no God, and by making these leaps, they come to false conclusions. And um, and they, they just want so badly, for whatever reason, not to believe the truth that's right in front of them in the scientific evidence that's out there today. And uh, that this, this little passage really reminded me of that. Um, the last thing from this is... We see Jesus in verse 8, and Jesus said to them, Nor will I tell you by what authority I do these things. You see, 
His authority is from God, and they should already know that. He has proven that time and time again. We've talked about that as we've gone through Luke. As we've gone through his life, we, we have seen him perform miracles, and we have seen him teach with authority unlike anybody else and show he is the Christ. And we've seen him heal and forgive sins and show that he has the power to do that. There should be no question that his authority is from God. I, I honestly spe- speculate a little bit. If the Pharisees didn't actually know that his authority, authority was from God and that they were just trying to get him to admit it, that way they could accuse him of blasphemy. Blasphemy. Because that's what we see through this whole chapter is the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus over and over again, yet he continuously... Gets out of it. Yeah. So in response to that attempt to trap Jesus, Jesus gives a parable, gives the parable of the vine growers. Um, and what we see is that there is a rejection of what holds everything together. Um, there is a rejection of Jesus and you know they 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 start by rejecting they've rejected all the prophets through the ages and now they're rejecting as verse 17 puts it the chief cornerstone they've they the stone which the builders rejected this became the chief cornerstone they are rejecting him and you know we we as Christians often refer to Jesus as the cornerstone, the thing he is the foundation, the thing that holds all things together. And I just wanted to share with you all, I'm some of you, you know, I'm sure have heard it before, but I wanted to share with you all Colossians chapter chapter one, because it it is one of my favorite favorite passages. Colossians chapter one, picking up in verse thirteen. It says, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness, and he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. He, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and this is the part I want you to hear, and in him all things hold together. All things hold together. He is the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone holding everything together. So, as we look at this, he Jesus ends in verse 17 and 18, and I just want to read that. But Jesus looked at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls it will scatter him like dust. 
Jesus is talking about people that reject him, that reject his gospel, that reject the salvation offered in his gospel. And the Pharisees, the scribes and the chief priests understood that immediately after he got done saying this too. Yeah, and they get upset on it and they go to lay hands on him because of it in verse 19. What I want you all to recognize about this verse is there's two different parts here in verse 18. The first part, everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. The gospel, the, the chief cornerstone, when people hear the gospel, it, it's like a stone set in front of them, and they have two options. They have the option of accepting that it's there, of sec- accepting it as true, accepting the gospel message and, and, and what it provides for us, uh, and then, and then uh, you know, turning the other, le- changing their life, turning the other direction. Or it becomes a stumbling block for people, and they tr- they fall over the gospel. They stumble over the gospel message into darkness, or as this puts it, they fall and are broken to pieces. And there is a level of destruction there. And then the second part, and notice the word "but" here, but on whomever it falls. It will scatter him like dust. So in one in in the first sense, it's somebody stumbling over the gospel message which they have heard and choosing not to believe it when they've heard it. The other sense is staying there, staying in that darkness to the end of time, to the to the end of their life, or or till judgment day. And that same rock is what is is what is dropped on them. It is is the judgment cast down upon them because the gospel message was presented to, the, to them, the truth of Jesus and the salvation that he provides was presented to them, and they rejected it and stumbled over it and tried to act like it wasn't there, but they fell because of it. And that same message will crush them. It will scatter them like dust. And I think the best commentary of of that that little passage that we could find is in first peter chapter two they always say the bible's best commentary is the bible yeah and i really really like that statement because i agree and i would encourage you all to to read this as well but first peter chapter two verses four through eight and coming to him as a as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are building, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Hear that. The person that comes to the stone and believes in it, trusts in it, will not be disappointed, will find salvation. Pick back up in verse 7. This precious value, then, is for you who believe 
But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word and to this doom they were also appointed. The people that come to the rock and reject it, they're offended by it. They, are, they don't even want it to be, they, they don't want it to be there. They want to forget about it. And because of that, they fall over it and they are broken. Here's the key difference between the first part of 18 and the last part of 18. The people that fall over the stone and stumble, they are broken. It does lead to some destruction, but they can come out of that. They can they can either hear the gospel message again, and maybe this time they won't fall over it, but they'll come out of that darkness, or that brokenness will work on them, and they can realize I shouldn't have I shouldn't have tried to avoid that. I I sh- I should have trusted in that. I should have accepted that message. I should have trusted in Jesus with my life, and they can come out of that darkness. But on whomever it falls. When judgment day comes, that's the end of it. There's no coming back from being scattered like dust from the consequence of rejecting Jesus with your whole life, for your whole life. And as Jacob already mentioned, they know he's speaking of them when... uh, the, the, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, they know that he is speaking of them being on the path to destruction here. And they even say so in verse 19. And they continue. They, they go to question him again. Um, this is probably one of those passages that gets preached on and talked about a lot. I know it doesn't really have anything to do with... Uh, in in my opinion, it doesn't have that much to do with tithing, but I think probably most often it is related to tithing. It's um, possible, or, or uh, in some way. But I, I want us to see the key thought here is what is God's, or better yet, who is God's. Uh, Let me just read verses 22 through 26 of Luke chapter 20. We're back in Luke now. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But he he detected their trickery and said to them, Show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? They said, Caesar's. And he said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were unable to catch him in saying in the presence of the people, and being amazed at his answer, they they became silent. So when I think about that verse 25 that you read, <clears throat> when Jesus says, 
Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Or to God the things that are God's. That coin had Caesar's image and likeness and inscription on it. And so Jesus was telling them, render that coin to Caesar. But what do we give to God? What, what is it that has God's likeness and inscription on it, like the coin did of Caesar? It was Jeff Fall that, that first pointed this out to me when he said that as human beings, we're made in the image of God. And so what Jesus is calling us to here to, to here is we should give ourselves to God. Because we're made in his image. And that reminds me of a, a, a couple verses from a passage of scripture that I recently preached on. So it was fresh in my mind and I immediately thought of this. I wanted to, to read it for you guys. It's Second Corinthians chapter 5. I'll read verses 14, through 14 and 15. This is what Paul writes to the Corinthian church. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Now oftentimes, when we think about Christ's death and what purpose it brings, we, you know, we always think about his death on the cross was to pay for our sins, and it absolutely was. And I'm not, I, I'm not taking anything away from that being the main purpose of his death. But we see Paul talk about his death in a different way here that it, it brings another purpose. Let me, let me point out verse 15 to you again. I don't want you to miss this. And he died for all so that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. You see, Jesus' death and resurrection, which is mentioned here, proves to us that we shouldn't live for ourselves, but instead we should live for him. And living for him is, is one of the main ways that we've talked about on this podcast on how we bear fruit. And as we live for him, we, instead of filling our life and our bucket lists with things that we just want to accomplish while we're here on earth, as we talked about earlier, when you start to live for Christ, when that becomes the, the driving force of the decisions you make with the things you spend your money on, the things you spend your time on, the things you focus in and around on your conversations with people, when all of that begins to flow out of you deciding to live for Christ because he died and rose on our behalf, it shows us that there's so much more to life than what there is here on this earth because Christ has defeated death. And we know that if we are in him, we will defeat death too and have eternal life with him and when you, when you realize that, living for yourself really seems foolish. When you could live for the man 
who was God, who made a way for you to dwell with him in eternity. You can live for him and help other people to do that too. And so to go back to Luke chapter 20, when Jesus says, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Remember what is God's, as, as Tanner addressed here when he read this passage. You are made in the image of God, and if you are in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling within you. Give to God what is his, and that's your very life. Absolutely. And so Jacob's, Jacob just applied that to, you know, your, your personal relationship with God. I want to just throw out a thought as well in, in relationship to applying it to the church. And uh, I'm going to preface this with, we are part of the restoration movement. Many of you listening are part of the restoration movement. And this, that movement sparked from questioning and let me finish my thought before you start shaking your head (laughs) not questioning the scriptures or the authority of it or the authority of the scriptures but questioning ourselves and what we're doing in the church in comparison to the scriptures because the scriptures are the authority for all faith and practice and questioning if what we believe and what we are practicing is in line with the authority of Scripture. Absolutely. So, if we are truly restoration movement people, we should still be questioning always, not the authority of Scripture, but ourselves and if we're lined up with the authority of Scripture. Because this is our guide, this is our key. And... I, I'm not speaking against, um, I, I, I believe in tithing and offering, but it is simply ironic that we will the church will get so bent out of shape if someone isn't tithing or isn't offering, but we let so many folks drop money in the basket on Sunday and live like heathens the rest of the week. Or even if they don't live like heathens, they're not living in any way that is advancing the kingdom of God. So, you know, I, I'm just encouraging all of us to take a step back and question our, ourselves. Please do not. The scripture is true and authoritative, and we question ourselves to make sure that we align with the scriptures. And you know that that's something to think about and and apply this to, as we're considering this passage. Um, so moving down uh, into the next few verses, really the large chunk, verses twenty-seven through thirty-eight. What we find here is Jesus teaching how life with God is just amazingly different. And it will be amazingly different. You know, the, the Sadducees come to him and they're questioning him. You know, they they 
say that there is no resurrection. You see that in verse 27. It's, you know, they shouldn't say that because, you know, Jesus has already resurrected Lazarus. He has shown that he has shown this power of God. There should be no question about it, but, you know, the Sadducees still question whether there's a resurrection. Do you know how you can always remember the Sadducees believe that? Hmm. They were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. Okay. There you go. I thought that maybe help you remember it. I appreciate that. No problem. <laughs> um, but then they they act like they do believe it in their question to Jesus because they're trying to trick him again. As this whole chapter has been unfolding, it's always they, you know, they're all constantly trying to trick him. But what we find here is. like I said before, that life with God is amazingly different. And as Jesus is talking, we see that for the faithful, the resurrected things will be better and different. The life with God after will be better and different. And a lot of people that I you know, I, I was looking at this passage in a lot of ways and was reading some, some different thoughts on it. And, you know, they talk about it in the sense of marriage, but a lot of a lot of people see look at this passage and really what their concern seems to probably have been was about sex and sex uh, in heaven and post, you know, post resurrection that the Sadducees didn't even believe in. So they're trying to trap Jesus. But again, the resurrected things will be better and different. That is Jesus's point here. Right. The specific priorities and advantages of marriage like sex will not be needed as will be sons of the resurrection, sons and daughters of the resurrection, and there won't be any more death anyway. You know, their concern is about about you know death and then what happens after death and the resurrection and you know that's not going to be there things are going to be better and different with god and the major thing that i want you to notice is a core doctrine about jesus or about god here is that jesus is the one who creates he is the one who gives, he is the one who resurrects, and he is life. God is life, creates, gives, resurrects, is life. That His being of life is why he can create and give and resurrect. Um, and that is an essential, essential thing for our understanding as Christians and our faith. But that's, you know, this whole... Most of this chapter, we've been talking about understanding these things so that we can share the gospel with other people. That's an essential thing for us to understand as we talk to people about Jesus. He is the creator of life, and he has the power to restore life and give new life. That's an essential part of the gospel. The last few verses... Um, verses 40, 45 through 47, it 
says, And while all the people were listening and said to the disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love respectful greetings in the marketplaces and chief chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at the banquets, who devour widows' houses and for appearances' sake offer long prayers, these will receive greater condemnation. Say the Pharisees or these other leaders are probably at this point getting pretty fed up with Jesus, don't you think? He's calling them out, isn't he? They certainly want to be seen by people, by men, more than they want to be seen and heard by God. So he's calling us out, calling the Pharisees out. What does that have to do with us? Well, this is a message of beware, as he says at the beginning of verse 46. Watch out for those who need to be seen. We are to bear fruit as Christians. And we don't bear fruit about by talking about us. We don't bear fruit by trying to get everything to focus on us. We bear fruit by being ones that show others God at the sake at and forsake ourselves to glorify God to other people. He must become greater and we must become less. Absolutely. So I hope as you listen to this, maybe you will need to go back through it and listen to some of it again, but I hope that as you listen to this, really what you consider, that you consider this whole chapter in the light of sharing the gospel with people, evangelism, uh, in that avenue that we bear fruit. Because all of these situations weigh heavily, not only on our own faith, but on the way that we approach people with the gospel. And what we have to remember, you know, I'm going to take this back to the, the cornerstone, the stumbling block. Something else essential about, as we share the gospel, is, you know, it's not a gospel. The gospel of Jesus that we find in the scriptures is not this lovey-dovey gospel that everybody goes to heaven. We clearly see that this gospel, if you accept it, as Peter says, you will not be disappointed. But if you reject it, there is brokenness and destruction leading to being crushed, being completely separated by God, being judged and condemned by the very thing that you rejected. There is the very real reality that those that reject the gospel will be cast into hell. We live in an era where people don't want their feelings hurt, where people don't want to be called out on their sin. But the reality is, is that the conviction to accept the gospel message comes from the reality that there is a hell and 
that we deserve to be punished there for our sin. It seems that some people would rather be comforted with a lie rather than accept the reality of the truth. So there is an extreme urgency in the gospel. There is an extreme longing as Christians to see people accept it. And we have to understand and believe the true gospel message for it to have its impact. If we're not preaching the corner, the chief cornerstone, if we're not preaching Christ crucified, if we're not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, then it's not going to have the effect that it is supposed to have because it's not true. So we want to encourage all of you, preach the truth, teach the truth, share the truth so that you can bear fruit for for God's kingdom. You have anything else? That'll cover it. All right. We thank you all so much for watching as always. Um let's see. Chapter 21 next week. Uh we hope you'll join us again then and we hope that you all will have a wonderful Sunday, a wonderful Lord's Day and a wonderful week next week striving each and every day not just on Sunday not just sometimes but each and every day to bear fruit go bear fruit and so prove to be one of his disciples